Okay, cool. So I just said yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah. Um, so the first question, and this is kind of around obviously differentiation. I know both of you guys know that. So what makes Team Avenue different? What makes it different than any other organization out there? What do you guys do different? And you guys can take turns or however you want to well, do it. Yeah, so um, the difference between Team Avenue and other organizations out there is that we, we try to focus on, you know, fundamentals. Mm -hmm. uh, like we talked about earlier, you know, winning is definitely um, the winning spirit and the, the work ethic is, 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 uh, is just one of those things that you... You, you would hope that a player has as far as a, as a goal, mm -hmm. but fundamentals and, and teaching the right way, like with Coach Bennett, mm -hmm. all the, the, the way he, he teach and, teaches in detail mm -hmm. um, is second to none. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of coaches out there that they try to uh, tell players, you know, how to make adjustments but I, I feel as though showing them in detail and, and really taking time out and, and being consistent as far as their coaching methods has to be something that is, you know, you, you, it's something that has to be developed in itself too. You know, you, you have to take time out and, and really put forth effort and and showing a player how to change his mechanics in detail, whether they're not using their glove side or mm -hmm. they're not getting extension or their alignment is off. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, having someone like Coach Bennett there and, and, and his eyes, he's got trained eyes to see mm -hmm. that, you know. Mm -hmm. I have trained eyes to see that over the years. And, um, you know, the fact that we, we're working together now and what he's taught me as far as how to teach pitching mechanics or teach how to, you know, teach a defensive drill mm -hmm. or an infielder or an outfielder mm -hmm. has just made me better as a coach. Right. So to answer your question, how are we different, I think we just emphasize the, those mechanical mechanics and fundamentals to where we don't compromise you know mm -hmm. we don't um just let it kind of just put brush it under the rug or anything like that we we take it very serious mm -hmm. you go you finish what you start mm -hmm. if, you, if you're going to talk about running the bases and you're teaching a, a certain part of that that's got to that's got to be taught it's not just said and skimmed over and, or most most people i'm seeing coach now might say the right thing to the player, but they don't follow up on it. Mm -hmm. Like in force. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. like, like, like we have a little deal with, you know our base running, where you mm -hmm. say, okay, now we take a cross step. The right foot shouldn't move, just move the left foot. 90% mm -hmm. of the people move the right foot first, and, but they don't get away with, the, with our place. We'll stop and say, no, go back do it again. No, go back do it again. Mm -hmm. And 90% of the kids I'm seeing coach now would say, told him four times. <laughs> I'm done. So, so now he's just going to continue to do the uh -huh. wrong thing and you're teaching. And so what that should relate to is you're teaching that and allowing that to happen, you're not teaching. Because if I'm teaching a history lesson and somebody says uh, Abraham Lincoln did such and such and it's wrong, I said, no, Abraham Lincoln didn't do that. And I said four, four or five times it keeps coming up in the class. Oh, Abraham Lincoln did this. He did not do that. <laughs> he did not do that. He did not do that. Now I've got to make some film or do something to show in, in detail. He did not do that. And that's what you're doing with teaching is getting to the details and making sure the kids follow up on it. You don't have to teach uh, real minute stuff, but whatever you teach ought to be taught. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And enforced. That's right. After. Uh -huh. and, and most, unfortunately, most coaches don't do that. Mm -hmm. They tell them, and, and one of the, we talked about this with pro ball guys. There's no problem with guys in pro ball not knowing baseball. They know baseball. Mm -hmm. They know the strategy. They know how to swing a bat. They mm -hmm. know how to hit pepper and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But you say, okay, go, go show those kids how to hit pepper. Hey, hey, watch me. And they hit it perfectly fine. A little kid picks up the bat. Yeah. Hey, I told you how to do it. <laughs> I told you four times. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell them five? Might have to tell them ten. <laughs> but we'll tell them a hundred until we get it done. Get it done. Now, tomorrow we'll start with you. Who influenced you? Uh, I know <laughs> he's a big part of this. As far as Coach coaching, Bennett. yeah, Who yeah, you? yeah. Coach Bennett is is my is the the reason why I'm still coaching and, and the reason why I uh, you know I I, I, I coached mm -hmm. um, shortly after I started coaching. I met Coach Bennett and just from him investing time into me has allowed me to give that back to players not only from the Central Valley but throughout the world. Mm -hmm. So as far as uh, coaching influence it's just been coach Bennett and, I, and mm -hmm. that's it mm -hmm. when it comes to mm -hmm. coaching yeah um, as far as playing um, I grew up watching Ricky Henderson and mm -hmm. he was my favorite player growing up and just how he went about the game and you know just kind of just his uh, non-verbal you can tell he was a very confident player mm -hmm. and uh, he hadn't really a good idea as, as far as what he was doing out there and so that's that's the name I wrote on my baseball card growing up. Okay, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. How about you, Coach Bennett? Well, you know, I've been influenced by a lot of people. Uh, I always, when I give talks, I say, when you come to the fork in the road, make sure you take the right one. And there's always somebody there saying, come over this way, dummy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And one of the best coaches I ever had was, didn't know anything about baseball. But he, he mm. took a little bunch of ragtag, underprivileged kids and, and, and made a team out of them and said, I don't know anything about baseball. I know how to organize it. And I know how to discipline you. I'm going to take care of that. You guys run the team. So we coached ourselves. <laughs> and it was a great experience. His name was Damon Bailey. Damon? Damon Bailey. <laughs> and he, didn't, he said, I don't know anything about baseball. And he uh -huh. didn't. But he knew about kids. He knew what we wanted and uh, really helped us uh, improve, made leaders out of us. I mean, <laughs> all the kids that played with him were in, ended up being leader, some sort of leadership role. And then I was really lucky I had good coaches in high school. I had Ollie Bidwell, who was way ahead of his time in coaching, and, and Pete Biden. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were great influences. And then a, a number of pro, of pro scouts were very instrumental in my coaching. Another guy that helped two other coaches. When I went my first year coaching, uh, Charlie Moore, the football coach, he, he coached a baseball team and he really helped me a lot to learn about coaching. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Sam Forsakian was another mentor, high school coach that I ran across one day. I went over and I said, I know I, I did this at Fresno State, but I, I want you to show me a diagram of my play with runners on first and second. And from that day on, he'd sit down and draw plans and show me stuff. And, I got a great, great deal of help out of it, but mm -hmm. just a lot of coaches I was influenced by. Mm -hmm. Baseball coaches are different than most coaches. They're willing to help. Right. Football coach won't give you the time of day. Yeah. 
He'll talk to you, but they won't give you their secrets. A baseball coach will give you everything he knows. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Next one is, have you trained others in your coaching system? Have they replicated your results? I don't know if that applies or... Because, like, when you bring coaches into your system, you have to obviously train them, I'm sure. You don't just say, all right, just have at it. Yeah. Right? Well, <clears throat> I think that's one of the things that I've got away from. Um, mm. And, and that's, it's definitely a need. Um, uh, a couple years ago, we, we were, I was trying to put a system in place where coaches would meet with us like, like now and, you know, and, and uh, put on coaching clinics, which we've done a number mm-hmm. of those over the years. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's one of those things, me personally, as a, as a, not only a business owner, but as a coach, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that, it's like uh, fundamentals. It's one of those things that, I, I need there's no question about it and, uh, and it's something that I need to start reinforcing more mm-hmm. when coaches come on board because mm-hmm. ultimately if a coach doesn't um, have the same um, vision and uh, through that vision is able to reinforce the, the principles of you know coaching style and the information that they give to the players then it's really like two ships going two right. different directions, you mm-hmm. know. And so, it's one of the things that I've got away from, but I, I definitely need and, and want to kind of get back towards having a system in place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's why you're sitting down here right now. Yeah, <laughs> trying to put it together. One thing you, when you you can tell where coaches are by give them a, a detailed schedule of a practice. Say, mm-hmm. uh, now you can run this practice, or you can run the one you want to do it. And the guy that is not detailed will take the other one every time. And the other one is, we'll take a little batting practice, and a few ground balls, take it on in. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to plan anything. You, one guy throws batting practice, one guy hits, the rest of the guys just run to run, shag, and mm-hmm. you get a few ground balls. And, and of course, that's what a, a big, big league workout is. Mm-hmm. Right. Pre-game batting practice, which we did pre-game batting mm-hmm. practice. And that's what you did. You, a little more organized than the pro ball or pre-game batting practice, but it's still basically the same thing. You didn't do a lot, mm-hmm. but all you're doing is trying to get yourself ready for the game. Mm-hmm. But practice is different. Because uh, I know he was super consistent and organized. One of the guys I know you, I know you probably know, and I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff. I'm sure you have, but I always see either your stuff echoed in him or his stuff echoed in you as John Wooden. Yeah, I I was a great believer in John Wooden, but I never had much to do with him except I just always admired him. Mm-hmm. So you never read any books? I read his books. Oh, you read his I books? Read all okay. His books, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I saw I see the more I read about John Wooden, the more I hear reflected from. Well, he he took care of the little things, and, and a lot of times people think, well, he's doing that when he could get somebody. No, you don't get somebody else to do it because it's important to him, like mm-hmm. he had. The first practice, he had all these guys, superstars, roller socks, socks a certain way. I'm just going to ask him about on. that. Yep. And he himself, he, he could have had a trainer or somebody show that. But no, it was important to him. He mm-hmm. didn't want to get blisters under his mm-hmm. And he did the same thing with us. That's why I, the details, I always think of Coach Bennett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, here's some cool ones. These are just more along the lines of actual, I guess, techniques or methods or principles you guys use. What are the biggest mistakes and myths you see in training or coaching youth athletes? 
And what are the w biggest wastes of time? So what are the biggest <coughs> mistakes and myths? Lack of follow through. Lack of follow through. Or the teaching uh, uh, lesson. Mm -hmm. They write it down mm -hmm. and don't, it doesn't even resemble anything they have on paper. It's just, <laughs> they've got it written down and they go ahead and do whatever they want to. Mm -hmm. what, I was, what I was getting at is you can almost test kids. You, you give them an organized practice schedule and say, follow this or choose your own. If they choose their own and it's not organized, you know, pinpoint, you know where they're coming from. They, they don't want to do much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to kind of get to practice over with. And I think what you what you do is you, you want to eliminate filler time. You don't need mm -hmm. filler time. Mm -hmm. You don't have enough time to do all the stuff you want to do anyway. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if you're doing filler time, what do we do the next half hour? <laughs> if, if you're thinking on those terms, you're, you're something's wrong with your process. Mm -hmm. Because you say, I, we only have a half hour? God dang, I gotta get some more base running in, I gotta get some more hitting in, I gotta get some more fielding situations in. The, the other thing I think is, uh, uh, we're jumping all over the block here, but most guys, when they warm up, warm up with a, a program that's, uh, that's just a generic program. It, it would suit any sport. So why, why are you warming up that way? Like your dynamic warm-up? Yeah. Coach? yeah. Why are you warming up that way? Mm -hmm. why, don't you, why don't you warm up by having guys run the bases? Mm -hmm. You don't have to start full speed. Mm -hmm. You can run technique, walk it, mm -hmm. jog it, sprint it. Mm -hmm. Walk it, mm -hmm. jog it, sprint it. Uh, if you're talking with catchers, you don't need to have a stretching program for catchers. Catching is a stretching program mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. I was at was a clinic and I heard a guy talk for 30 minutes. He had a 30-minute program. He did his catchers every, every, every day stretching. And I thought, if that's not a waste of time, I don't know what is. Because <laughs> as a catcher, the first thing you do is get down the, and you're stretching already. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Okay. You don't need a 30-minute exercise for stretching because mm -hmm. your position's stretching. Now, mm -hmm. pitcher needs to stretch. Mm -hmm. Now, fielder needs to stretch. Mm -hmm. Infielder needs to stretch. But they should do it with infield-related programs like fielding a ground ball. Mm -hmm. Outfield, we have them come down on one knee. So, that, that type of thing. That's kind of like when we had the, remember the ladder out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they had to like go mm -hmm. through the catch. You made it skill-specific. Skill specific mm -hmm. in the warm up. You're still you know. doing a dynamic program, but it's, it's affiliated with baseball. Because, and, and I see your point, because the normal dynamic warm ups that you see, the, the workout or the, the fitness type <coughs> ones, <coughs> do in the weight room. Yeah. Right? For you're everybody. Because on the field, you're, it's skill specific anyway. That's you're right. not learning how to weight lift on the field. That's you're right. learning how to weight lift in the, in the right. weight room, the gym. That's a good point. I never really thought about it like that. But you, as much as you, every exercise you have, like somebody says, we run 50 wind sprints every every day after practice. I had a coach tell me that at Kingsburg one year. I said, <laughs> 50 wind sprints? I said, shit, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're telling the kids wind sprints are the important thing about practice. Mm -hmm. Because if yeah. I'm going to run 50 <laughs> wind sprints, I'm going to save myself a little bit. <laughs> I know I'm going to get catch hell at the end of practice. That's a good point. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be real slidey on my practice things. Mm -hmm. I said, I can do everything you're doing with a fungal bat. When I hit five minutes of ground balls to three guys, and then they go rest, and they have them come back and hit five more minutes. 
if I want to really put them out, I can I can do it four or five times, and uh, they'll have every bit as much running as you had with a wind sprint. Mm -hmm. Except I'm fielding a ground ball every time. I'm fielding a fly ball. I'm mm -hmm. fielding a ground ball as an outfielder. Mm -hmm. And so you 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 put those things into play instead of the laps and wind sprints. And, I mean, wind sprints are all right because you're working on running form. That's that's baseball related. But you used to do the the fungos with the you know we we as outfielders would join the pitchers and you'd yeah. have us run the post routes and you'd hit the that's yeah conditioning Indeed. right there and it's and, it's, and it's fun <laughs> and it's baseball related <laughs> yeah right baseball we, related we'd have we'd have the outfielders come and join the pitchers, pitchers. and the pitchers would join the outfielders we'd and talk trash they'd to each lay other out and catch we'd the talk ball. trash to Coach Bennett say is that all you got and then you know, oh here we go and then, <laughs> I always told the story, Gardner told me this, he came over to Fresno State and Hoover was a real good pitcher, he was an All-American pitcher, and I was hitting those lead drills and Gardner was, was not hustling so I'd hit the ball over his head. <laughs> Three or four times he came back and he told he says, uh, Hoover, geez, this guy doesn't know how to hit a fungal. <laughs> and he went one more time and did the same thing and Hoover said, wise up. <laughs> oh, I get it, I'm not running hard. <laughs> Placed it. Him, him and Coach P used to place it all the time. Cool. Good stuff. Um, now, what are your favorite instructional books or resources on the subject of coaching with youth athletes? I know we mentioned already John Wooden. I know you and I kind of learned from him. Is there anything? Um, Ron Polk's got a good book out. I mean, he, it's been there for 40, 50 years. It's, Ron Polk? Uh, Ron Polk, P-O-L-K from Mississippi State. Ex he's retired now, uh -huh. but his was uh, like a guidebook, mm -hmm. sort of like the one we put out. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's not a lot of books on baseball, but there's a lot of uh, coaching. articles, coaching articles, and mm -hmm. followed those. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of information from guys like Bobo Brayton and Rod Dado. Who? Bobo. Bobo Brayton from Washington State. And then uh, who's the other one? John Winkin is outstanding with indoor drills. And mm -hmm. Bob Warren's real good with indoor drills. Mm -hmm. Almost all the guys in the National American Baseball Coaches Association you, you get information from. The which one? The Baseball Coaches Association. Yeah, American Baseball Coaches Association. And then The best book on baseball that doesn't have anything to do with baseball, but has everything to do with baseball, is, is, a, is The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Mm -hmm. That changed my life. Mm -hmm. Changed the way I coached. Because if you, if you don't watch it, baseball can be a real negative coaching mm -hmm. field. Because you guys didn't do this right. You're not doing that right. You're terrible. You're awful. You're a horseshit. And pretty soon you, you convince kids that they're terrible. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, you know, you can do that better. Mm -hmm. you, you got a good swing, but it can even be better. Mm -hmm. you're, you're getting the job done right now, but boy, I want to see you one notch higher than that. Instead of saying, you, you couldn't touch it in that <laughs> with your talent. You know, what I always say is a, a compliment lasts a while, but a, 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 a sarcasm lasts forever. Mm. And if you're negative, negative comments last longer than positive comments. Mm -hmm. Somebody says, you can't, you can't do this. You're not very good. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody needs some help somewhere. But if you've got to put it in a positive way, and Norman Vincent Peale really 
really sold. Mm -hmm. The other guy, the other good book is uh, Possibility Thinking by Robert Schuler. And that that book is really good for baseball because if you're if you're telling somebody, you know, we're, we're going to be a real good team, what's the what's the story here from boosters? Well, you don't have any hitters. Or you don't have any yeah. base runners, or you don't have enough speed this year. You don't have enough pitching. You haven't seen our team yet, but that's the that's what they come up with. Mm -hmm. And uh, Schuler would he would take it like the, I used to tell the story about the Christian Cathedral. He wanted to build a church out of glass mm -hmm. cathedral, and it was going to be real expensive. He said the first thing you ran across is it cost too much money. So he just says, okay, that's the that's the problem, money. Okay. The, we're going to build a church. That's that's a that done deal now. So that's not the issue anymore. The issue is how do we raise the money? Mm -hmm. So then the guy, well, get one guy to donate it. Okay, that's our number one project. They get one guy to donate the money. And they came back after about a month. They couldn't get one guy to donate. See, I told you we couldn't do it. All these negative things. Well, what's your suggestion? You get two guys to do it. They went on with this. So they had ten guys that were going to do it. Mm -hmm. They're still working on that plan. So finally. He went back to a farm show, and his dad had been a farmer and lost his farm, and he gained it back. And he said, I didn't know what I was going to talk about when I went out to talk, but he went out to talk, and it was about uh, possibility thinking. Hmm. It, just, it just came to him. He got on the plane, the guy gave him two envelopes. One had a million dollars in it when he got back to it. He said, open it up when you get back to your committee. It had another million dollars in it. On that next meeting, they were still, we still don't have enough money. And the guy says, I got a plan. Every, every pane of glass costs $300. We'll put the person's name on the pane of glass and we'll make it. Just like that, they raise money for the. Hmm. So what his deal was is no matter what, what you have objections to everything, you want to get bigger, somebody's got a reason you can't get bigger. You take the reason they can't get bigger, make that the project. If it's money, mm -hmm. Then we'll, how do we raise the money? Mm -hmm. If it's people, how do we get the people? Mm -hmm. So he gets right to the issue. But but that's really good for coaching huh. because if you're if you're talking to a coaching staff, even when you start the season, well we don't have enough hitters or we don't have enough runners. Well then, that's the problem. Then we got to teach them how to run. Mm -hmm. Got to teach them how to hit. Mm -hmm. Run towards the fire instead yeah, of run away from the fire. Right. That's right. Huh. All right, last one. If you were to train. I said me, but a team for four weeks for say the Little League World Series and had a million dollars on the line. What training? What would the training look like? So you only had so the first ones only have four weeks, and then the second one's going to be eight weeks. So what would you do in four weeks if you only had four weeks to train a, a Little League team for the College World Series? What would you focus on your training or your coaching? Pitching and defense. <laughs> I mean, I'd work on all phases, but I'd really, really make sure we could. Field the ball, and play catch, mm -hmm. and uh, pitchers would throw strikes. Mm -hmm. Throw strikes. Which is another, which is another issue. Guys will have a whole practice and, and never correct the way guys are playing catch. Mm -hmm. And it, a good defensive team is a guy, is a team that can play catch. Mm -hmm. The other thing we were talking about, you know, Pepper. Hardly anybody plays Pepper anymore. Uh -huh. The reason you say, why, why don't you play Pepper anymore? This would be a Schuler deal. Mm -hmm. Well, guys can't throw strikes. Oh, 
Okay, then the issue is not pepper. The issue is we can't throw strikes. So what do we do to get them to throw strikes? Well, tell me. Play catch the right way. Play. Well, the first day you do it, it won't be it won't be good. The second day you do it, a little bit better, still won't be good. And two weeks later, it might be good. And what we told these guys when you're playing pepper, play pepper even if it's not very good. Force them to play to catch. We're doing that long pepper, and there were about three or four guys yesterday had a terrible time throwing strikes. can do it. But the peer pressure was terrific on them. How far? On. Where you get about 45 feet? 45 feet. Okay. And uh, they would take care of themselves. How the old are these were, kids? They're 12 to 14. Okay. 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. But I would. Uh, Mainly 12, actually 11 to 13. Mm-hmm. I would take Maybe the Dr. Schuler approach and say, uh, if the throwing is a problem, then we'll correct the throwing. Mm-hmm. Play enough catch. And if, if 10 minutes of playing catch is not enough, we play 20 minutes of catch. But the, the thing of it is you have to make them play it right. Because mm-hmm. they'll gravitate to doing it right back to where they were if you don't, if you don't correct it. Mm-hmm. That's funny, Coach Ben is talking about that. Because I know when he was walking up and down the line while we're playing catch, it's like your, your brain focused. It didn't have to be you. It could be yeah. Coach Ruff yeah, or Coach yeah. P. But your brain started to go, oh, like it made you work harder, yeah, you your brain. Grip. Yeah, get the grip uh-huh. on the ball. Because uh-huh. you know one of them was going to say, ah. <laughs> Very cool. And then tomorrow you have anything to add on that? So four weeks and eight weeks, is that about the same consensus? Yeah, I mean, um, I agree. I mean, I think you have to, if you focus on pitching and uh, defense, it's like, Everything else will kind of work itself out. I mm-hmm. mean, um, as far as hitting, I mean, you know, I, I think that's all contingent on what you have to, to work with. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could always adjust that accordingly. But mm-hmm. I would say the biggest thing is identifying the identity of the team, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, like, defensive, defense and pitching, you know, that's something that would, would be the focus. And then the biggest thing is seeing what the, the team's identity is. Is it – are they uh, – a home run hitting team, mm-hmm. or are they a team that's going to have to play small ball and, and really move the ball around a little bit? Mm-hmm. And I think once that team knows the the identity of uh, on the offensive side, you can you can really organize those practices or the six to eight weeks accordingly to the identity of the team, and mm-hmm. and then the pitching and defense will will still be the main focus. But then you can kind of round it out and and have a complete package. Mm-hmm. From there. You know, I think when you focus on pitching and defense, you are helping the hitters because the hitters now are you're forcing them to hit the ball yeah. on the ground. Mm-hmm. You're right. Hit the right side, hitting and running, or just hitting with power. Because yeah. if you're hitting, if you're not very hitting it very hard, that's right. Then you got to do something to hit it harder. And you're playing the defensive situation, so sometimes you say, "Okay, we got two outs, scores tied. You're the home team. You're the batter. What's your job? No outs. Hit a double." I got so I got so I'm working on working on defense and against a double, but I'm also working on offensive getting a double. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, you wouldn't be neglecting hitting, but you'd be putting the emphasis on the, on the defense and mm-hmm. and then if you, the eight week program, I just advance everything, just make make the uh, degree of difficulty more precise. Mm-hmm. You know, in coaching, you have two sets of eyes. You have fine eyes and, and uh, rough eyes. Mm-hmm. Rough eyes are for the four-week guys mm-hmm. uh, that, that aren't 
Class A type players, mm -hmm. but if you have a Class A type player in among those, you use a keen eye with him. You expect more of him than you do the other guy. Like if you got a mm -hmm. shortstop that can cover from here to that deal over there, I expect him to cover that every day. Mm -hmm. But I've got another guy that can't cover from here to the end of that table, but he does it as well as that guy in that area. So I, I, I got that area, I find center on, if he gets beyond that area, I rough eye it. Mm -hmm. I forgive him for making an error. I don't mm -hmm. forgive the other guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't get on him, but no, you're good enough to feel that ball. Mm -hmm. Standards are a little different, and I think that's what you do with an eight-week program versus mm -hmm. a four-week. You just increase the degree of difficulty. Mm -hmm. So start to push, push the players push, beyond push their limits. Them, yeah, push them. Mm -hmm. Actually, you push them to their to limits. To their limits, yeah. They think they're beyond their limits. <laughs> I remember the first time I had pop flies with Pete Biden, I went over and threw up after he <laughs> threw me. I wasn't going to throw up while we were <laughs> catching, but boy, when we got through, I went over, <laughs> Pop fly priorities. Yeah. Yeah, that was always a nightmare when we saw that on the schedule. Well, cool. Well, that, I think that, that, Good, 